Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Stett has already earned some wonderful praise. Steven Yenzer writes, Dora Malik's passionate constraint, her fervor, her discipline, and her devotion is exemplary and can be contagious. This collection is one of a kind. Susan Wheeler writes, Dora Malik's feats have made for a naughty, that's K-N-O-T-T-Y, uh, and mesmerizing book. Uh, Dora Malik is the author of three books of poetry, most recently Stett, uh, with Princeton University Press. Fourth, Flourish is coming from Carnegie Mellon University Press in 2020. Her poems have appeared in numerous publications, including The New Yorker, Poetry, Poetry London, and The Best American Poetry. She lives in Baltimore, Maryland, where she is an assistant professor in the writing seminars at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, also joining us this evening is Michelle Britton Rosado. She's the author of Why Can't It Be Tenderness in Theory on Falling into a Reef. Her poems have appeared in Alaska Quarterly Review, Indiana Review, Poet Lore, The New Yorker, and elsewhere. She holds an MFA in creative writing from California State University Fresno and a PhD in creative writing and literature from University of Southern California. We're incredibly fortunate to have these talented poets with us this evening. Uh, please join me in giving... Dora Malik and Michelle Britton Rosado. Warm welcome. Hello, everyone. I think I usually read standing up. This is nice to have this little high chair. Um, thank you so much, Dylan, for the nice um, introduction and to Dora for um, getting the ball rolling with this and inviting me to read with her and to celebrate her book, Stet. Um, let me see, I'll check my time. Um, thank you all for coming out today and for um, Skylight Books for hosting us. So um, I thought I would read a couple poems from each of the sections in this book and also a couple new ones um, that I'm working on for my next manuscript. The first one is actually outside of the two sections of the book. It's called Ode to the Double L. It's after Araceli Germay. She has a poem called Ode to the Little R for the rolled R in Araceli's. And I thought that was such a beautiful conceit that like a letter can hold so much of who we are. So um, being named Michelle, telling Starbucks baristas or, the, or other people, like it's Michelle with two L's. Like I felt very religious about that it having to be spelled that way. Um, and then I started thinking like, why? What is it about the two L's? Ode to the Double L. Twin shorelines at the end of my name. Traffickers of white space. You could last on the tongue forever. Lolling, longing, an endless drawing out of the little stream between you. Fill my life. I drink from the narrowest canal flowing between two countries that half of the time, claim me. Double L, bring me back 
to the in-between where my breath has always lived without containment, like two legs pointing toward the ocean or these arms reaching into sky. From birth, you have doubled my grief and my wonder, shown me the parallel which can never touch, the way I run alongside my love without entering his true mind. Rivulet of secrets, slim as a eucalyptus leaf, airplane runway of the heart. Double L, let my days always move in two directions. Build me a channel into which I can pour this voice. I um, have this poem here that at first when I was um, reading to support this book when it was brand new, and I wouldn't read it because I wasn't sure how to read it. It's a, a contrapuntal poem, so it's in two columns, and it's meant to be read. You can read it column by column or across, and I've decided I like reading it now, but I just read it both ways. So um, you'll get to hear it twice, but in slightly different ways. Um, this is called Between. Half my life grows quiet, the words crossed out by a language, what I do not have. I carry it like a corpse or a doll blinking its Morse code. Sometimes my mother, her mouth opening and closing, a silence I cannot translate. Other times my father speaking static and English, my twin inheritances, braided rope, whatever manages to clothe me. Today the body I drag behind me, another self, hair gathering dirt everywhere I go, this throat and its sounds a music without meaning. So tired I cannot leave, I sit her up leaning against a tree, tie dandelions into rings, around all her fingers, counting time. Half the words, a language, I carry it, or a doll, sometimes her mouth a silence, other times speaking static, my twin inheritances, whatever manages. Today the body, another self, everywhere I go, a music. So tired, I sit her up, tie dandelions around all her fingers. My life grows quiet, crossed out by what I do not have, like a corpse blinking its Morse code, my mother opening and closing, I cannot translate, my father and English braided rope to clothe me. I drag behind me hair gathering dirt, this throat and its sounds without meaning. I cannot leave, leaning against a tree, into rings, counting time. I'll read one more poem from this section, and this first half of the book is a lot of childhood poems and poems exploring identity, um, being mixed race. My mother is from Malaysian Borneo, my dad is white, mostly Irish. In this poem, I'm addressing a younger version of myself at age 15 in a trip back to Malaysia. And I was like in the 
heart of my teenage angst at the time and didn't want to be there. And um, thinking about like what I wish I could have told my younger self or, or from a different perspective. So the you in this poem that I'm addressing is, is really me. And it's called The Sky Will Look White. You want to be skiing like the girls in your class who come back from winter break with photographs of themselves puffed inside their jackets. But you're sitting by a window in the house of your grandfather. Here it's the monsoon season and you are 15. Already you believe you're an artist insisting on only the black and white rolls of film your father sometimes gets for free at his job in a drugstore. You're alone in your mother's village, choosing to stay behind from a drive into the city because shopkeepers tease you for not answering America to a question asked in the language you recognize but don't understand. You don't know how to be grateful, so you take pictures, elbows propped on the sill, lens pressed beyond where a screen would be. In two weeks, your father will develop this picture. The sky will look white, the jungle canopy drained of green in a deep slope, telephone wires like a chairlift up the mountain the raindrops stilled and soft. The second half of the book is um, more from the perspective of an adult uh, speaker in relationships. Um, what was I gonna read? This is called Mistaken Ode. I have another, so these are my two odes, the, one, the first one I read and I, was thinking about how odes, since they make us celebrate things, I thought, what if I write about all the things that make me really anxious and I pretend to celebrate them and then I won't be anxious about them anymore? So that was like an exercise I gave myself. Um, so this is called Mistaken Ode. I have made so many mistakes, lucky to have been mine. Oh, how I relive them. Middle of the night looped reels of them. I call them back to me. I must not leave any of them out. All the crayons in the right place. I am working toward a complete set. My shelves are filled and alphabetized. I take armfuls with me for company on road trips. We sing harmony the whole way to nowhere. I look for mistakes hitching on the side of the highway with tidy bindles of self-loathing. I commit their stories to memory. Feeling that wasn't love, doomed marriage, kicked dent in a car door after a fight. I take them down from a cabinet to polish them every Sunday. I hoard them like animals. I keep photos of them in my wallet and show strangers in waiting rooms. My mistakes love me back with a feeling so pure I get dizzy. How did I get so fortunate? No one has mistakes like mine. People ask, where did you get that? And I make up exotic locations, though I suppose my mistakes are as common as Target brand napkins, repeating patterns on the tissue of my brain.
My mistakes are so absorbent, I can wipe up a small one with a bigger one and temporarily forget the small one, but now my heart is a rag with no bleach left in it, all the dark water of my mistakes wrung out in a bucket. I wash my windows with them. I set them out like jewelry in the evenings in infinite combinations, and they all turn my wrist green. There is no use pawning them because I'd buy them all back. I wear them the next day and the next and the next. I wanted to read one more poem from this book. Um, it's called Visitations with Unmarried Self, and it's about my feelings towards um, my previous names. So I have this sort of obsession with like names, how much do they reveal of ourselves, conceal of ourselves, especially being mixed race, like how much does it indicate what my background is. Um, and so then I, I walked through most of my life as Michelle Britton, and then I added this name when I got married, Rosado, and I started in that first year, it was sort of this strange, surreal middle space of like, who is Michelle Britton? who's Michelle Britton Rosado? And I was like, both of these people and neither of these people at the same time. So um, in this poem, I'm, I'm addressing Michelle Britton. Visitations with unmarried self. You keep coming back, the maiden name, on grocery store mailers, special offers from magazines I subscribed to in another life. I hardly recognize you. You don't even know you're a ghost, slithering from mouths and out-of-date medical records, pacing waiting rooms invisibly until I answer for you. You are still registered to vote, believing you are part of the future, where you cast your wishes into the great uncounted. You are like the dead who cannot understand how time moves on without them. I tell you this in public bathroom mirrors while I press our faces together. Or you are like a child following the mother absorbed in the list of things she piles into a cart. Her life is an eclipse moving slowly over yours, which you can only watch swallow the light, your one belonging. It's over, it's over the long illness of being your own. Everyone gathered to say goodbye in dry-cleaned skirts and rented suits, confetti clutched like ash. Over my shoulder, I threw to you flowers, but already you entered me, and I was possessed. I blanched then white as a dress. So I thank you for the snaps. Um, I wanted to read a couple newer poems. And my new, my second manuscript that I'm working on um, is kind of about like mothers, children. Sometimes in the poems, I'm the mother. Sometimes I'm the child. Um, I have a two and a half year old. So that was like a really defining life event that made me feel like this book is separate from this other book because I just found myself writing about different things. Um, this poem I wrote uh, actually in a, a circle here in LA and there's a couple people in the audience who are part of that same poetry circle. 
And uh, this was, I think, the first poem I wrote while pregnant. I was maybe like eight weeks. Um, but in this one, I'm the child. It's titled, The Child of an Immigrant Must Write Her Own Mythology. I used to believe I could swim back to whatever I've lost. The name of a plant, a remedy for bruising, a hand-drawn map marking all the places to find shelter. What was never taken for the journey, the clean break in another life, this abacus to sort dreams, ones I was given and the others I stole. How to build a mosaic and not cut fingers on bits of glass. This inventory of the broken, though breaking is one way to change. In the womb, I was a bone constellation growing into the spaces of my earliest body. I am a network of points touching. I am so many things I will never touch. And I'll, I'll close with this poem. I have this really vivid memory of leaving the house like early on after giving birth and maybe it was like a month or two after and I'd been in the house like nursing all hours, barely sleeping and uh, there was this eatery that had opened a block away and I decided to just walk out there and um, sit down and have a cup of coffee and there were like all these people talking and the sunlight was really bright. And I remember walking past um, this man who was smoking and just thinking about how that felt so different now um, and these little acts and, and how they ripple out into each other. Um, so this is titled, uh, Now That I'm No Longer and it just sort of goes into the poem. It's one of those poems where the title is also the first line. Now that I'm no longer pregnant, the world seems less dangerous. So I don't hold my breath anymore when a man walks past me with lit cigarette. Though I suppose the risk was always there, it merely seemed less urgent when it was only me being hurt. And even now, though the poison stitches itself into breast milk I'll give my child in the coming moments, it is only a handful of chemicals in a curtain of disaster I walk through each day with the rest of the human race. And I anoint the one I have brought here with everything terrible that people do to each other. Not because I want to, but because it is unavoidable because pain is a thing we share to feel like there is less of it. Because this life is not about choices, it is an inevitable ribbon unfurling from one body to another. It is something you taste from the mouth of a stranger. Thank you. That was so beautiful, thank you. Um, Michelle's book is gorgeous. Uh, and selfishly, uh, there are so many awesome 
parallels that I find that I'll talk about in a second. Um, I'm really glad to be reading with you. And I'm really glad that all of you are here. This uh, group of people obviously includes a few people I don't know at all. Um, but it also includes uh, some of my newest friends and some of my oldest friends, uh, which is kind of amazing. Uh, so thank you all for being here, um, uh, even if you're not my newest or oldest friends. You're my even newer friends. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you're out. Someone's newer. Um, so this book uh, is my third book, and it's kind of the most different uh, from the other two, uh, and it's different, formally different. Uh, let me check the time and make sure. Uh, perfect. Okay, um, it's formally different, uh, and it was a time in my in my life when I was going through a lot of different changes. Uh, I was moving geographically. One relationship was ending. Um, another relationship was then beginning, uh, and um, I was kind of making the decision do I want to have a child, then made the decision, yes, you want to have a child, and then, you know, you're having a child, uh, so that's different. <laughs> um, so there were kind of lots of, lots of changes over that, um, and uh, it really resonated uh, when Michelle was talking about, is this mic weird? Does it sound, doesn't sound weird? Okay, it's good. Uh, I feel like there's like a little echo in here. Do you hear that? Should I switch to the other one? Yours sounded awesome. I'm jealous of your mic. It might just be my voice. That's, uh, yeah, it might just be me. Yeah, it's just me. Anyhow, um, <laughs> at least I can blame myself. Um, so uh, so all, all these different changes were going on, and Michelle was talking about uh, like focusing on the letters of her name as some kind of like revelation or you know kind of metaphor for identity. Um, the, the, um, and then thinking about her married name, uh, the epigraph for this book is from uh, Omri Cole's poem Anagram. Uh, and it's scrawling the letters of my name, I found and changed what I became. Um, and so in that sense, an anagram, of course, is taking all the letters in one word or phrase and then reworking it uh, into something else. Um, and this idea of the anagram for me became a figure for all of these fresh starts I wanted to make that I couldn't make because you're making it with the same old materials you've always had. Um, so that that sort of urge to make that that fresh start, um, but then working from the same stuff became the material uh, and the form and the figure in this book. Um, I'm going to start at the end uh, since uh, Michelle was ending with with poems about her pregnancy. This is the last series um, in the book. Um, it's called After Plath Metaphors. And Sylvia Plath's poem, Metaphors, um, begins, I'm a riddle in nine syllables, an elephant, a ponderous house, a melon strolling on two tendrils. So you can kind of see where that's going. She's writing all these different metaphors for pregnancy. Um, so uh, for me, Sylvia Plath and another poet named Unica Zern um, are both poets that kind of haunt this book for me, and I rework their material. Um, they're both women, they're both poets. Um, Unica Zern worked with anagrams as well. She's a German surrealist. Um, and they both took their own lives. Um, so in that sense, obviously, there's the kind of cutoff of, wait a second, you know, that these are these kind of parallel live, lives that then take a different course. So that idea of how do you kind of live with the choices that you make, I think, sort of haunts this book. Um, but I will end, uh, I will begin with the end. Um, after Plath Metaphors 1, and it's nine poems of nine lines that all kind of fit together. 
Stealing a safe view, interstate still a smooth read, nothing in mirrors, not need or glint, not even a least glimmer in the rims of a coupe so far. An on-ramp's best offer is belief. Yes, spell an easy does it, and I bite, finally sing ascent and infinity. Big rig add a deep rumble now, the true coup down the highway. Two, not to faint at blood, a creeping up in the syringe, I avert my eyes, then run or else. I'll faint so at a mind's view, my unlit corners. My wild ape meat is a trafe menu in a red pen. I'd eat. I see a starting pistol's first green shoot, a bean's beginning in a fetid barrel, a flash and slosh, swim of a goldfish bowl on the go. Three, call me Big Ag, I brag, tending the feedlot and warehouse, silo and hormones, pen, seed, rib. From newly iffy memory, I recite whose maple syrup taps these are, and so on. Innings stint as dafter sieve, inning as moist ort. All in a different vein, I say, tiring, out of breath, panting as the balloon I tie taut swells. Four. Aviary, apiary, one warm swarm and flutter, bubble tea, puff pastry, lit fuse, or I reel, dine a sea. Greeting card sentiments, honey dripping into the moss-lined nest of a loon, wings riled in the offing. Motor revs, then idols. A magician's assistant, smiling to be sawed in half, saying, I'll be the one, the one, too. Five. A nature documentary. Opening shot. Pan. A narrator's measured tone intent on saying, stab, storm, life, flap, ash, bone, tool, till, life, death. So yes, as I listen, I begin to believe I'm the whole sorry shebang, finding my mess the stained sign of an entire paradigm. I, inverted flower, we call fruit, fig wasp, inside. Six, I've been a flag left planted on a distant planet, its sea singing in an empty shell, a file sighing stone to sand. See if I defy I, defy firmament. Petrie's eager agar, proverbial whore to culture, embrace what blooms in a windowless room, in a laboratory rinsed in sun's hot tints shining from the inside out. Seven. Mobs all thumbs in the Colosseum. Meat thrown to a dull roar as gears engage. Meat in a trendy blunder. A spy in internal affairs, other shoe dropping. In me, it's pints of rennet in a stein. Gift pony, bologna sandwich with a side of live wires. Eels vitals, fine dust, fine lines, fine. I'm a gag order to go. Bye. Ate it.
Eight. I'm a full load of delicates, spindisiacal. I wait my turn as if willing paint to dry. Yes, no, maybe, no, not even. As if pushing at aspen apron strings to resist a nesting doll's tight fit. In a drawer between bones free of name, see a Sunday roast, high tide, barge, loom, harvest moon, entire fire ant hill in amber. Nine. And nine is obviously the last one of these. Nine. I'm loop the loop, cat that swallowed the caboose, wild oat stuffed feed bag, my mailman's worst nightmare. Holes in a belt let out, dormant nine-eyed serpent. I, darling hive, as is abyss, open in fight, inner tubers, inner friar, pain again, endless Tetris turning on my if, if, if. A siege long season arrives. I ante. So that's where that series ends. Um, and each one of those, uh, poems is an anagram of Plath's nine line poem. So each one is like a reworking using only the letters within that is this kind of like constraint. So she, her poem kind of lives inside of each of those. Um, I'm gonna read a couple more as Michelle did. I'm gonna read a couple more from this book and then read a couple of new ones. Um, so this is, I'll go right back to the beginning, um, which is the poem of an end, the end of a relationship. It's called The Can't Knots the Constant. If now, then when, not if. If so, this rented vow redshifts. View onto babies, bye-bye. Babies, no, give it. Spectrum shows all this. Love's trip came slow sung as in an era before me, before me. Erase an A in a race to heirs is to stare, soar I see. To a note undid, in and outed, tide sighted, away waves, away waves. And did I? I did. And do I? I do. Is as sight sits a sigh, what one calls priors chase now oars. I'll trap as finger, ring safe, forever, I said, or I said, fever. No matter in either, I am not in the right. I respoke free, ask for keeps sake. And uh, I'll read, since I read uh, the one that's a reworking of a Sylvia Plath poem, uh, this is a reworking of um, one of Una Concern's little anagram poems. Um, and her, her first line, this is a very short poem, but it, it translates to, I scatter the white nothing. Um, so I took that as my first line and then reworked that. This certain. I scatter the white nothing. Tonight sights thin weather. I trace twine to thighs, then wrist, then tighten. I echo at teeth, chatter this, I, no wing. Um, this one, a lot of these are, are very much in, in a particular relationship, and this is looking a little more outward. It's called Cry Unto Country. Um, and if it's not clear that the ending is ironic, it's ironic. Uh, it's not. <laughs> Cry unto country. 
Mind as conflagration, mind as a canting floor, not as in nations, raw red reward, rather some other mare's lore, plays up a role, apply us a poultice of pulped bills, cut, I bleed, poles pupil of this sea be fealty's fashion. I obey, finish a last shift, see a say sickness to swab abscess, ways to skin late cataplasm, a meat past call. Spend us, sends up baubles, sad bod, bless a bit per second, bent crop dies, honored hoard. On a bruising in us, I brag as big ruin. In America, I can re-aim. Um, and this is the last poem I'm going to read out of here, and then I'll read a couple of new ones. Um, and if anybody has any questions, that's for Michelle and I. That's great. And if not, we'll, we'll all enjoy our Friday night. Um, thank you again for coming. Uh, this is called Then Reading in the Garden. My iris, no, I risk my now for you. For you, fuchsia, intent. If us then I can't stand coping, stop dancing. All this stupid heat, a stall, the up this, I tend to dent. To what's left, it's this last weft, the last swift, stitches in its chest. In thrust, be a sure suture. Breaths stake my sky, meat left looser, lost reel of pure monster, no petal nor stem. Rope unlept dares show, reshadows. I drown in the wind, we're in the when. I rind to sweet segments, us, wet guess, net mess, loss. Losses spent in steps, into it no answer. Re-swan, answer as wren, bird called bedrid, call outs and inners, sand in our nest and I grit, daring it. A line, lane I veered into, need it over, no, I wound. I didn't hit a wall, I hit a window, all not undid, spot on. In pleasing us, a song split us open. In no night's fortune, tunes for nothing spent, no, not pens, not memory, not my more. We love a vow a lee, but we vow a weather, and inbound. I want whatever awe can find me sore. If rose can mend a swear, was, are, the last poor excuses for force, aster, flocks, suet. So see, a word is my bond, but my bonds are outbid. Was it fate, then and now? A theft I went on and up, sad old itch, still, all this stupid cold. Um, so I'll read a couple of new poems um, and uh, make sure that I've got them. Okay. Um, so these are, are a few slightly newer ones. One second. Um, okay. Um, this is for uh, a f uh, friend, wonderful person, um, who... Uh, I think somebody here knows um, uh, Patrick Flynn Eckenrode. Um, it's called Elegy, uh, and this is now many years after he took his life, uh, but I sort of only just recently 
uh, wrote anything about it. Elegy. I want to start, the story goes, but then the story stops. I want to say you borrowed Chekhov's gun, but it was just American, a dumb colt bucking in your hand, neither of you old enough to know better, both ready to run. Speed is ignorant of direction, says the physics text. The part I love about the story that I hate is when it seems you still believe in what comes next, just not for you, is when after you drink a beer and before you, as they say, do yourself in, meaning out of this world worth saving, you pause to place the can in the recycling bin. Confessional. It seems the first use of the term in our aesthetic sense was in Rosenthal's review of Lowell's Life Studies, in which he described the book as a series of personal confidences, rather shameful, that one is honor bound not to reveal. That was in 1959. My mother was eight years old, and for her, the word was still physical, a place into which she didn't want to go. If her story holds, it seems that she was born prelapsed, quite the opposite of prelapsarian, a knock-kneed natural heretic, pint-sized apostate disguised in pleated plaid. The nuns instructed her to pray for the martyred saints, and she prayed to never be a martyred saint which I take as an early sign of her capacity for pleasure, a nature she nurtured through adult authorities, cruelty and neglect, carried across the ocean into her own grown self to pass that nature and that nurture onto me. A poem's the only shadowed box I've ever entered to tell my truths to a stranger. I tell my mother plenty, but not everything. The same goes for what I'll tell the poem. Some secrets are rendered speechless. Don't minimize your evil, she says the priest would say to her through the dark screen. Um, it's a little lighter. If any of you are in a long-term relationship, you talk a lot about what you're gonna eat. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is sort of comes out of that. It's called New Recipe. If you're really asking what I want for dinner, <laughs> dear, a carrot or a stick of butter doesn't matter to this batter, none. The dough's in what you do, not herb, but verb. Imperatives, essentials, oil the pan, and so forgo the grocery list and stay puree a while. The only ingredients that can't be swapped for applesauce or air are the stir inherent in your wrist and, of course, to taste your tongue. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, uh, so um, this is the last poem I'm going to read. Um, and again, uh, I'm glad Michelle read some poems about motherhood. Uh, because um, uh, I've been writing poems about motherhood. I read some about pregnancy, but I've also been writing some about motherhood. I also have a two and a half year old, many parallels here. Um, but uh, so I've I have some friends who I share poems with uh, and my writing circle maybe isn't as nice as your writing circle. Um, and uh, this is titled for one of those people who I shared this uh, poem with. And 
Um, so this is the last one I'll read. It's called, For My Friend Who Is Tired of Children in Poems. <laughs> For my friend who is tired of children in poems. I also tire of children in poems and of children off the page as well. <laughs> I turn from a line's easy awe to endless demands, sticky hands at my hem. My teacher wrote Aleph, Bet, Vet, Gimel, Dalet, then dripped honey on top. Let the pupils lick the letters. The line's low buzz metabolizes slowly in the body. Friend, no one is looking. Bend your head and taste. Can I call you baby? Can I call you honey? Only here on a page white as any side of a cube of refined sugar. These are just words. Blame me, but it's in my blood to love this way. I make a study of it. What luxury. Together, let's be sick of the sweetness of this world. Thank you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.